Hello and welcome. You are with Beck Mitchell and you are listening to the Run With Soul podcast. I am so excited over the last couple of weeks to have brought you some experiences from the World Marathon Challenge that I completed. And that particular event was about running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And I know it sounds a little bit crazy and the journey that I've been able to share as a result of that has been amazing. So this particular episode is episode five of a nine part series. And today is called Overcoming the Curveball. Over the past couple of weeks, I have been sharing about the first few marathons that we did as part of the trip. So today I'm just going to give you a really quick recap of the journey that we took. We started our entire event in the beautiful Cape Town in South Africa in the evening and ran into the sunset and then into the, into the night. Our second marathon for the trip was in the frozen continent of the Antarctic on a Russian base called Novo. It was a beautiful place and I think it was everything that people talk about but it was definitely brutal weather conditions and I explain a little bit about what we faced in that particular marathon in one of the earlier episodes. Our third race saw us on home soil for me in the beautiful sunny Perth in Western Australia. Unfortunately we did have to run in the evening when we arrived so we didn't get to see much sunshine but it was still beautiful and warm and our summer which was lovely conditions to run in. Today we're going to be talking about Marathon 4 which was in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. So four of the seven marathons that we did actually were ran at night time. Because of the challenging weather conditions coming out of the Antarctic it changed our schedule quite a bit. And it meant that four of those seven, we would run in dark instead of in the light. Now, some of them were scheduled for night runs, but not that many. So when we ran in Dubai and it was the middle of the night, it was probably helpful because of the weather conditions there. So just to give you a little bit of an understanding of the environment that we were running in, we drove uh, in the bus to a beachside location. So we were actually running alongside the ocean, which was quite beautiful. So it's it's dark, it's nighttime, and it's very humid. Obviously it's Dubai, so it's quite warm, even though it's the middle of the night. It was still very humid and sticky and warm. And we dropped all of our luggage off at a hotel location, which was just literally beachside. So a few hundred meters from the start line. All of the competitors walk across to the, to walk, uh, to the start line, which was right on the beach. So you've basically got the water, the beach, and this sort of running track I would describe it as. So it was like a like a green running track with a small amount of concrete to the side of it and um, we were running on the on the green surface so it was quite a wide running track and um, then on the other side we had sort of car parks and and residential housing and hotels and so on and so forth. So um, it was literally like a a beachside location and um, it was actually quite enjoyable to run in those particular conditions. Even though it was still quite warm, um, the environment was quite nice. There wasn't a lot of wind and there was quite a few things to look at with you know, all the bright lights and things like that. So it was quite lovely. The strategy for Marathon 4 was an interesting one. You know, our bodies have just gone through three marathons in three consecutive days and we're about to do the fourth. And the halfway point of this marathon is the halfway point of the entire trip when we go into marathon number four. So knowing that, <laughs> mentally we prepared ourselves. 
So when it came to this strategy, my body was still quite sore <laughs> and I hadn't been able to get a lot of uh, fuel on board. I wasn't feeling quite well in preparation for Dubai. So um, I didn't really eat properly and I didn't eat enough prior to Dubai. But one of the strategies or part of the strategy going in is that I just wanted to do really well in the first half because I knew that when I got to that kind of 21K mark, that half marathon in this marathon number four, I knew that I was halfway in the trip and that was just a really exciting feeling, something I was really looking forward to. So that first half for me going in, um, I was actually quite relieved when I made it to that halfway point as well. Um, I got to run alongside uh, one of the other participants, Linda, who I've spoken about in some of the previous episodes. She was absolutely lovely and we were really excited to, to run that first half together. We decided to slow down the pace a little bit, enjoy it a little bit more and just take our time because it was, it was about enjoying that one, but it was about just getting to that halfway in the marathon, but halfway in the trip. So that's what we did. <laughs> we spent that first half running together, sort of on and off a bit, but pretty consistent. And then we got to that halfway mark and um, we decided that based on the condition my body was in, that Linda would go ahead and complete hers as fast as she could. And that I would slow down and take my time a bit more, knowing that I still have another three marathons to run over the next three days. Um, the strategy was to, to take it a bit easier in that second half. And uh, I was really glad that I did that because that decision meant that I actually had the opportunity to do some walking and some running alongside two other competitors that I hadn't really had a chance to get to know as much, uh, which was a really great journey. So um, both for, for Jen and for Jonathan, it was a, a fantastic process of getting to know them and really spending some time with them as we got that second half done. So if you can imagine, it's like three or four in the morning, it's it's literally the middle of the night. I've done half the marathon. I've got basically the, the next half to go and I've met up with Jonathan and Jen and we start to share our stories and get to know one another. So that's the, the scene for you. And there was something that happened towards the end of that marathon and our time with the three of us together that I want to talk about because it was a really important moment in the race, but it's also something that happens a lot in life. So what had happened was because I was running with Linda earlier, I had lapped both Jen and Jonathan in the earlier stage of the race. So I knew that I was a whole lap ahead of those two competitors when I joined them. And for those that don't know, every time we go through the start finish line, we yell out our race number so that someone can physically count that we've done the amount of laps of whatever course that we've done and make sure that we're completing the distance. Now, most of us have smart watches and we track our distance anyway. So it's, if you've got a smart watch, it's quite difficult to not get the right distance. But towards the end of the race, I recall this moment where I shouted out my race number and the person that was recording my race number and the race numbers of obviously the other two competitors with me, um, they, they basically responded with all three of you have, you know, this many laps to go. And I remember not really even questioning it at the time. We just sort of turned and kept going in the race. But I remember thinking that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Mentally, I was only, let's say, prepared to do another three laps. And you've actually just told me that I have to do another four. Now, for any runner <laughs> that thinks you have a certain distance to go and then someone tells you that you actually have more than that, 
for any runner, you'll understand that that can be quite devastating mentally, particularly in the middle of the night when I'm exhausted, I'm halfway through seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. So wasn't the greatest thing to hear, but the time I didn't think much of it. And as we kept going, I, I sort of thought to myself, well, it doesn't really matter because my watch is I've got back up and um, I can always have a conversation at the, at the next lap. So we did our next lap, which took about 20 minutes, I think, to do. And by the time we got back to the start line, I just sort of had a really quick conversation with the person and I just said, what's happening with this? You know, I really do think that I'm in front of these two particular competitors. Um, you know, they were walking a little bit more in the first half and I was running with Linda and, blah, and I tried to explain it and they said, no, you're definitely all on the same lap. And I didn't fight it and I didn't respond with any aggression or anything like that. I just kind of took it for what it was and we continued again. But then as I was having the conversation with the other two competitors, I begin to sort of feel a bit ripped off. <laughs> that I am super tired. I know that I've done the kilometers and I really just, I really wanted it to be over, to be honest. <laughs> and I just had this feeling of being ripped off of like, no, I really needed that. I really needed that more rest. I really needed just to finish earlier. I just really needed that to not do that extra lap that I was being asked to do. And then of course we finished that next lap and this is the opportunity where I can either be told that I have two laps to go or I'm on my last lap. And I, I remember saying to the person who was recording the laps, I remember saying to them, really I am on my last lap. Like I know that I am, look at my watch, this is definitely my last lap. And and they responded with actually you're correct. What we had done is just assumed that you were all on the same lap. but in fact, these other two competitors, they have an extra two laps to do. You only have an extra one in comparison to what we thought. But how it ended up rolling is that I was really on my last lap, which was relieving. It also, I felt a bit bad because the other two competitors had to do more than what they thought as well, but it was actually what the laps that they were on. So it was a bit of a confusing situation. If you've followed all of those words that I've just said, you know, it, it was actually quite confusing. It wasn't until after the event weeks later that I was actually having a conversation with Jonathan on a podcast that he responded and shared his version of what had happened to him at the following race which I'll talk about shortly in the next episode in Madrid in Spain how he talked about his response and how he was told the same thing but after actually crossing the line <laughs> they told him no you have another lap to go and the, the emotional response that happened and then the physical response that happened. And then he, he got really aggressive and, and sort of shared about how it was really hard for him to deal with that. That when he responded and shared about my situation, he actually gave me the reflection of how well I dealt with that situation. And I'm not trying to, to share that to make myself look good. I'm trying to share that because I had a decision in that moment. And all of us have decisions to make in those moments in our lives. So there's always going to be a moment at some point where, you know, something might feel unfair or you might feel like you've been ripped off. I'm sure as I'm talking, you can start to relate and think about circumstances in your life where you feel like it's not just, you know, it's unjust and it's not right. And <laughs> someone else needs to correct their their numbers or their figures or you know it's it's somebody else's fault and you know there's that feeling of just it being so unfair 
And in those moments, we do have a decision to make. And in the middle, literally in the middle of the World Marathon Challenge, in the middle of a marathon in Dubai, I had a decision to make about how I would respond to what I believed was an unfair situation. And when I think back about that moment, and I think back about what was going through my mind and how well I was able to respond, the thing that I came down to at the end of the day, when I really think about that moment and, and like just being honest about the way that I responded, is that I just realized it was out of my control. Standing on a start line, arguing with someone who swears you have two laps to go in comparison to one isn't going to help anybody. <laughs> you know, getting aggressive isn't going to help the person who's recording the laps and it's certainly not gonna help my emotions when I'm trying to finish a marathon. It's not going to look good for anybody else standing around and there's just nothing good that would come from me responding not very well to a situation like that. And I, I literally just gave up control of the situation. And I thought to myself, you know what? If it means that I get this done properly, if it means that I get to respond well, <laughs> if it means that I know that I know that I did this and I did this to the best of my ability, then I'm gonna do that extra lap. I was actually convinced that, you know, let's say 5 a.m. in the morning <laughs> in Dubai in the dark, having got this very challenging marathon done, if I even had to do that extra lap and that the figures hadn't have changed, I think I still would have done it. Because at the end of the day, I realized that that situation and what was being asked of me was not in my control. And it's the same for you. You might be facing a situation again that you feel is unjust, unfair, you know, it's just not okay, someone else needs to change. In those moments, our ability to release control changes our response. And when it changes our response, what happens is that we get through that situation better. <laughs> we get through it less emotional. We get through it more logical. <laughs> we get through it better and we can actually succeed better. But what also happens is that we become an example to others. And I didn't realize that until afterwards. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. I became an example to those around me that was watching me go through that situation and realized that in unfair situations, you actually can respond well. So my challenge to you or, or my advice in just, ex, ex, um, just sharing an experience that I've had is simply when you find yourself in situations that you cannot control, just to let go and just be okay with that lack of control. If you can't change it, then figure out how to get it done without changing it. Because sometimes we don't have the power to change things. We don't have the power to you know, decide whether or not for some reason we're gonna get cancer. We don't really have that within our control. We, we can't control whether the, the sun rises in the morning. We can't control that someday we might just happen to be in an accident. It's not within our control. If somebody else has caused it, it's not within our control. But what we can do in those sorts of situations is that we can just respond as best as possible and respond with kindness and and respond with a sense of moving forward and success and, and just keeping ourselves at peace <laughs> with not being in control. It's a challenging situation and it's a, 
it's a challenging thing to learn how to do. Overcoming a curveball, something that just gets thrown at you in an unexpected situation, is hard to deal with. And for me, personally, in that moment, it taught me how to let go and just get it done regardless. So thanks for joining me. You've been listening to the Run With Soul podcast. This is episode five. And in episode six, we're going to be sharing about the lessons that I learned from the Madrid Marathon in Spain. See you next time.